Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey listeners, if you find value in this podcast and would like to support this project, please consider signing up on Patreon, where you can support the show on a monthly basis in exchange for some extra content and behind-the-scenes updates. Just check out the link in the description or go to patreon.com forward slash podcast. I'd love to see you there. And now, on with the show, here's what's coming up next on the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. Yeah, you know, funny story with that is as a lot of boat stories start where you're cruising on Yacht World. We were in Italy at the time. We, we had Panda Boat up for sale and getting her ready. And and yeah, this, this boat popped up for sale in southern France. So we said, let's, let's go rent a car, drive mm-hmm. to the south coast of France, just check out the boat, just see what it's like, and yeah. then drive back. But once we landed on the boat, we said, wow, this is not only a wonderful boat, it's in great condition, but it's absolutely perfect. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Annika. On the Liverboard Sailing Podcast, I chat with awesome people who live, work, and travel on their sailboats. My guests share inspiring stories and real-life advice about the lifestyle so that you and I can be better prepared for our sailing adventures. This week is a special one because, my friends, we are celebrating the one-year birthday of the podcast. I could hardly believe that the podcast has been around for a full year. And I owe a huge thank you to all the season one guests who said yes to this when the Liverboard Sailing Podcast was just an idea. So if you go back to season one episodes, please keep in mind that these people were the very first ones to believe in the podcast and what it could become. Also, of course, a massive thank you to each and every one of you who have listened to an episode, who tune in every week, maybe you've told a friend or left a review. Just thank you. Your support really means a lot. 
and it has been absolutely fabulous to see this community grow along with the podcast. So just about a year ago, Darren and Amanda were my very first guests. They graciously said yes when I randomly contacted them out of the blue, asking them to be on a podcast that didn't yet exist, didn't have a name, had zero listeners, and absolutely no guarantee that anyone would actually listen to it. And despite all that, they said yes. So now it's time for a one-year recap with Darren and Amanda, because they have had a bit of a wild year. I won't spoil their first episode if you haven't listened to it yet, but we talked about getting started with no experience, going to Greenland, and and just what the reality of liverpool sailing actually was. Now, Amanda and Darren are on a different continent again, on a totally different boat, and they have made the liverboard life their business. They've also changed the name of their online identity from Sailing Panda to Outer Passage, and we'll dive all into that in this episode. Here is my one-year catch-up with Darren and Amanda from Outer Passage. So the last time we chatted was roughly about a year ago, and I was so impressed with you guys and what you had achieved in just a couple of years of owning a sailboat. You had gone from the Bahamas to the UK via Greenland after having started with basically no sailing experience whatsoever. And when you were in Europe on your ML Sharky at that time, and now you're in Florida on your Neil 45 trimaran. So I think we have some catching up to do. And I mean, congrats, guys. It sounds like it's been a wild year for you guys. It has. We've been busy, to say the least. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a whirlwind. (laughs) Well, let's tackle this chronologically. That may be the easiest way to, to do this. So you left the UK to go to the mainland Europe and the Mediterranean eventually. And if I remember correctly from your YouTube videos, you stopped in northern France a few times, and then you went across the Bay of Biscay, and you actually didn't stop until southern Portugal. So that was interesting. You must love passage making, but tell me about this passage. <laughs> well, it, it, it attests to our love of passage making, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that many miles doesn't, doesn't bother us one bit. We really enjoy it, especially when you get a good weather window, and we haven't really done much sailing in trade wind type. Uh, winds. So that was really easy for us to just keep going as long as the weather was good. It was, we were just really searching for warm weather again after being cold for so long. So uh, we just had this goal in mind <laughs> to be able to jump in the water and enjoy the sun and the heat again. So that really had us uh, pretty uh, inspired <laughs> at that point. <laughs> you just couldn't get there fast enough then. Right. Yeah, we were we had some motivation to make those miles south. That's for sure. No wonder. Yeah, the Greenland and a winter in the UK. I will not blame you one bit for that. (laughs) But I would actually love to hear your high level thoughts on sailing on the Mediterranean uh, compared to some of the other destinations that you sailed in. Because I know I've talked to a few people there, and everybody keeps telling me like oh my gosh, the winds are shifting all the time. There's so much motoring and then there's crazy winds. So what was your experience? Yeah, I, I think we probably experienced all of that for sure. <laughs> I, I think there are definitely more days than than bad, or I'd say no real bad days. It's 
it is just a it is tricky wind condition if you're if you're used to sailing in the ocean where it's like generally steady and changes happen um a much slower but uh, i remember we first got in the med and we were like maybe two days in uh through the through the straits of gibraltar on our way to the balearics and we're cruising along it was it was my shift uh late in the evening and we're doing great we're like beam reaching there was like 18 knots of wind all was 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 lovely and then the wind just stopped I remember it, it was like in a, in a span of a like less than a minute, it went to zero knots of wind, sails flapping, and we just bobbed around for like 10 minutes and yeah, then eventually motored. But that does happen in the med for no reason at all. Yeah, just stops. You could, yeah, you could be cruising along and you have 20 knots, even 40 knots of wind and then just stops and doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's really unique. Well, does the uh, wind come back then? equally suddenly sometimes sometimes <laughs> yes you know sometimes we bob around for just a few minutes and yeah it would come right back and and then you're on your way again but other times wouldn't come back for hours or yeah or come back in another direction kind of like a, another pattern so yeah that, that's definitely challenging we, we also had um lots of sand we had like a uh. southern wind <laughs> sailing to the balearics so you get this sand this like kind of red Sahara. dirt yeah, Sahara oh, dirt. Would, Sahara sand that comes off of North Africa there, and and so our our beautiful white sails uh, as we arrived in the Balearics were more of like a reddish hue. Yes, <laughs> very unexpected. We didn't realize that we were going to get our like covered in sand just cruising around the med, and then also bugs. For some reason, there were just these flies. It was like whenever there was Sahara sand or dirt, it would also include these flies. <laughs> No matter what. Really? Oh, gosh. Like, neither one of those sound really great. I don't like bugs. And the sand thing is just so weird when you're out on the ocean. It's like, yeah, well, it's raining sand. I know. Yeah. We're used to a very clean, sterile environment. So, yeah, to experience both of those was definitely new. But um, but it's cool. It's it's like one of the unique things about the med. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, just, it's all part of the experience. <laughs> You, Darren, mentioned um, the Strait of Gibraltar there. How was that? I know it's a bit of a unique uh, stretch from my understanding. It's, it's fairly busy area and you're kind of seeing Europe and you're seeing Africa at the same time. So that just sounds surreal. But how was it like sailing wise? Was it challenging? Was it, uh, you know, only slightly nerve wracking or how was that? Well, you, you definitely hit the nail on the head where it is as picturesque as you can imagine seeing mm -hmm. two continents on either side of your beam as you're sailing through mm -hmm. that is absolutely unique and and you just you can't help to think but all of the sailors past that have gone through that that channel there um so yeah definitely a historical place um but currently in recent times there's um there's orca whales that are causing a bit of trouble for small boaters they're um, sometimes attacking the rudders of the boats and, and disabling them. Um, so we were nervous, to say the yeah. least, uh, and quite anxious, really, to get through there and mm -hmm. into the Mediterranean side where um, where it's been free of those reports. So, yeah, new new challenges in, in the last <laughs> couple of years. Never expected uh, orca, a fear of orcas to be on my list. Like, we had seen them when we were off of Canada and Newfoundland, 
And, you know, I never had that thought that they would attack us at any point. It was just this majestic experience, you know, these giant dorsal fins bobbing out of the water and uh, just amazing. But then now I'm scared of them (laughs) because of our uh, Gibraltar stories coming out of there, of course. Um, And that's definitely a new experience we didn't think we'd have. And we had it both ways, of course, like we just wanted to get through Gibraltar as quickly as possible. Yeah, that is something that I've heard about as well. And it sounds really scary because, you know, ideally you think like, yeah, you know, seeing any kind of wildlife on the water, especially whales and anything of that size would be just magical. But uh, I've actually always had a fear of, well, not always, but for a very long time, I have had a bit of a fear of uh, killer whales because, or orcas as they're also known, after I went to Antarctica and saw a part of them strip penguins apart and it was oh, such whoa. a bloody mess. I was like, oh gosh, these oh. are called killer whales for oh. a reason. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I can imagine. You don't want to be mistaken for a seal or a penguin, yeah. any kind of... <laughs> what an experience. Exactly. Yes, like I'm not going to go in the water if there's any sign of orcas anywhere nearby. That's <laughs> yeah, no. No, oh, thank you. It. Uh, also Gibraltar, it's intimidating just the amount of ships, uh, the different kinds of cargo vessels were pretty amazing. You got to see like livestock cargo vessels and, uh, tankers of all, all sorts. Uh, that's the only, I think besides the orcas is the most intimidating is just the amount of ships in such a concentrated area. Like your AIS is just like, just littered on your chart plotter and you know you're trying to at that time you know we didn't have we weren't transmitting on AIS so we were uh just really on the lookout at that time um and we just received AIS targets but going out you know we definitely saw the difference uh with our AIS we transmit on our new boat and they definitely like avoid you and make corrections sooner than uh than we had seen before (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine that would be a, a little bit nerve wracking, just double checking that everybody definitely sees you and and that you see everybody who maybe is not transmitting either. So yeah, that's a, that's a scary situation for sure. So how long were you guys in the Mediterranean in total? We were there for about uh, six or eight months or so. Oh yeah, that's a good amount of time to explore the region a little bit. And uh, I know you kind of went far and wide in in the region, but I'd love to hear what were some of your favorite places or experiences in the Mediterranean? Because it is, of course, different from, you know, having come from the UK or even from like northern France where you came from. Yeah, I don't think we even scratched the surface of the Med. Um, But with those fluky winds, we weren't a big fan of the weather, but we did like the all the options, all the culture that was there that we um, got to see, you know, different sides of Europe. Of course, you have in such a small space, we did have Schengen issues. So when we got into the med, we only had a little bit of time on our Schengen clock. So we actually just spent it in the Balearics the whole time. And when we left the Balearics, it was really like high season. So that was a lot of crowded anchorages, but beautiful, clear blue waters. Really, I didn't expect to see like Caribbean blue in the Med. And that was amazing. There's not as much fish life or like marine life, um, but the formations and the rocks, because we did some dives, um, that was quite beautiful. And that was kind of like our nice summer, I guess. And then um, we booked it 
over to Albania. And I think that was definitely a highlight of our In the Med. Uh, it was such a unique experience. A lot of cruisers don't end up going there. So we really enjoyed, I think, the most time in, in Albania. Yeah, it, it's unique in that it's kind of a new cruising ground, I'd say, in the last 10 or 15 years, at least talking to some kind of more locals. And uh, and what's great for us is it's really inexpensive there compared to the rest of the med. So so food supplies and you can go out and eat for very reasonable costs compared to uh, other other spots. So, yeah, Albania is an awesome. We, we highly recommend it for cruisers even thinking about stopping there. Totally make the stop. It, it's a great spot. Yeah, we also liked Montenegro, too. I think we wish we could have spent more time in Montenegro. So, yeah, that was really beautiful. It was like this. This, it was like a fjord in the middle of the Med. I didn't expect that either. So beautiful. Yeah, those two countries are definitely kind of the Schengen saviors in that area. I know a lot of um, non-Europeans will head there, but they do look really gorgeous. And it's interesting about Albania. It's becoming more of a touristy destination, even land-wise, because, uh, you know, looking as I'm, as you know, I'm from Finland, so I always look at, you know, tourism from that point of view. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Croatia was the new inexpensive destination. But now Croatia is already kind of in the same categories as Italy or Spain. So it's kind of expensive and it's not new and exciting anymore. So things are moving towards Albania and, and Montenegro there. So that's cool to see that that's happening in the cruising world as well, because those countries are really really quite unique looking. I've never been, but I can't wait to visit. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's a good note about Croatia. And in, in fact, we unfortunately we did skip Croatia altogether, but we've heard that it is wonderful cruising in the islands, but the, uh, right, the, the costs have risen substantially, I guess, since it kind of first opened up and, uh, and we were turned off by that a bit. So yeah, so we skipped it altogether, but yeah, uh, Montenegro and Albania. That's two thumbs up here from, from us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so was the Schengen regulations or the restrictions the reason why you kind of did a big hop from Spain all the way to Albania without kind of stopping along the way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we spent, uh, you know, half of it in, in France, did the big hop to Portugal got to the Balearics, we basically spent the last half of our uh, 90 days. And, and yeah, for the Schengen rules, for us, it's you're allowed 90 days in the Schengen zone of a 180-day rolling um, calendar period. So basically, at any time, they can look back in your in your passport and and you must have less than 90 days um, in, in the Schengen. So yeah, so we, we made the big passage to Albania, just we had one day left of our visa as we checked out of Spain and uh, yeah, made that week or week and a half long passage to Albania it worked yeah. out really well. I think we only stopped once for weather and that's just to anchor, um, I think we're off the coast of Sardinia and you know, that's acceptable as long as you just keep moving, of course. Yeah, that's certainly a bit of a headache. I didn't realize it was 90 days for because I never really looked into this. I thought it was, you can be there for 180. But yeah, that's tricky if every 90 days you have to go to like Morocco or Albania or Tunisia or Montenegro or some other non Schengen country. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's weird because I know there's a lot of uh, North Americans and Australians sailing out there. So they must do a lot of uh, island hopping or country hopping. Yeah, it's really, it can be frustrating because there's so many countries you want to visit in Schengen. But at the same time, it really does keep you moving. And like, I think that's a, a plus. 
uh, you don't stay in one place and because you can really just get sucked in like everywhere is really nice and easy um, sailing ground. So you can just stay there and then you're like, oh, wow, you know, it's been 180 days, but it, you know, 90 days, you're like, okay, I have to plan my route and where we actually want to see and then where could we go out of Schengen? You know, what are the countries? It kind of helps you yeah, just keep moving. And I think that's really good. You can apply for, of course, long stay visas in different countries. Um, we had a friend um, or friends at uh, Sailing Sonder. They actually applied for a residency in Malta. So they got to say like a hun- uh, they got to stay for a year in, in Schengen. And they really enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, that's a really cool opportunity or option as well. I didn't know that. So yeah, that certainly buys you a little more time. So you don't have to (laughs) always be thinking like, okay, where do I hop next? Well, I remember when we talked last time, I think you mentioned that your one of your initial goals into getting into this lifestyle was to do some diving. And I think, you know, you had dreams of going to the South Pacific, but of course, COVID and the world changed. So you went to Europe. So have you been able to do any diving? Is uh, Mediterranean a diving destination? Uh, Yeah, I would say it has some good places to dive. We actually were able to dive while we were in the Balearics. Uh, we could have in Albania, but I think we had just kind of like, you know, been a little over it and the water was getting, it was pretty cold. So we were just enjoying, I think, snorkeling at the time in Albania. Um, but yeah, we did some good dives while we were in the Balearics. Uh, Esvedra and Bedranel have really nice rock formation swim throughs. Um, really, really clear water, like I think over a hundred foot vis- visibility. It's just a beautiful to dive there. I would say, yeah, it was. We spot a lot of octopus and like small fish, small blue fish were always the thing. I don't actually know what type of fish they were, but no, no sharks, um, some jellies. I don't know anything else, but definitely very good diving if you're into that. I wouldn't say it's as good as what we're used to in Florida or the Caribbean, though. Yeah, I bet uh, nothing kind of compares to the Caribbean, at least from what I've heard from other people who I've asked to compare these sort of underwater worlds. But uh, it's cool that there's still, you know, something to see. It's not totally uh, uninteresting or, you know, unclear and muddy and and not worth getting into the water. Yeah, of course. And there's also some shipwreck diving as well. That's not always our our thing. We, I think, like reef diving and um, the marine life a little more. And you can't forget about the utilitarian diving. There's all the bottom cleaning oh. <laughs> of the vessel to do. That uh, is kind of my job. So <laughs> every couple of weeks, I'd always be slapping a tank on and spending an hour underneath polishing up the bottom. So <laughs> Yes, there was plenty of diving of that sort uh, during our, our trips. Uh, but that's not always as fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I should have been more specific and ask about the leisure diving that you were doing. <laughs> yes. No, but in all honesty, um, I think, you know, for us, just any time spent under the water in kind of a peaceful environment with good fizz is just exceptional. It's it's a very calming experience for us. It's almost like uh, meditating or, or practicing yoga and getting to experience it in any environment, whether there's coral and fish around or rock formations or wrecks. It's all awesome. So, yeah, that's true. Just blowing bubbles down below. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, so let's get to the elephant in the room. You are no longer on a monohull. And I think that was a bit of a shock, at least to myself, when I saw it on Instagram sometime later last year. So tell me, when did you start thinking that, you know, you should triple the amount of hulls you get? (laughs) (laughs) Three has to be better than one, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we, we, um, near the end, I guess it was about the fall of, 2021 we were kind of planning what our future was and and my my uh brother gave us a call and had kind of an interesting business opportunity where he was looking to invest or or do some sort of uh small charter vessel operation and we got to chatting about our circumstance and you know we'd been cruising for two years the kitty was definitely starting to run low we could have cruised a little longer but um but with this opportunity we thought this is a good time uh, to set ourselves up long term on the water, so you know, Amanda and I have definitely loved our sailing environment. We love the ocean environment. Um, so, so yeah, we decided let let's give it a shot, and and we'll do a new platform, which is yeah, the trimaran, and um, and this is going to be a, a, a charter operation. So we're going to do both like kind of inshore charters and offshore charters, uh, which is like two things that we really love, kind of like, I guess, cruising charters, you could almost say. Um, and and yeah, we're, we're excited to start the business. It will allow us to, you know, hopefully stay on the water long term and, and generate an income and, uh, and also allows us to get uh, more official. So we're getting our captain's licenses and all the uh, correct documentation for that. So yeah, we're, we're really, really excited. I am so glad that I caught you in this exciting time in your lives because that is fantastic that you've, you know, you realized that you love the cruising lifestyle, you want to keep going. And, you know, that initially has developed into a business idea. And I'm sure that wasn't anything you thought about when you left, what, three years ago now or something. So that's yeah. super cool. Right. Yeah, it definitely wasn't on the radar. It caught us a little bit out of the blue for the opportunity, but it was a decision that was very easy for us. Um, Like I said, it was a decision where now we can see ourselves long term on the water. And, uh, and yeah, so so we went with it. Um, But you did ask about the trimaran. Yeah, you know, why didn't we just uh, do a monohull? And what we had seen uh, in our in our time cruising is definitely uh an insurgence of multi-hull let's say cruising you know i guess mostly catamarans and that market has just exploded and what we did see was kind of a lack of uh of like offshore opportunities to go try a multi-hull and so that that's a market we'd really like to um 
to kind of invest in. And so for those, say, who are cruising or looking to buy a multi-hull and want to know what it's like to go sail one offshore, um, that's that's where we come in. So us on Outer Passage, we have this beautiful Neil 45 trimaran, and she is a beast. <laughs> She's she, a sailing machine. <laughs> absolute machine. She sails so well. And uh, in, in our time, yeah, uh, sailing here to Florida, we just fell in love with her. So we're really excited to get people on board and, and feel that same exhilaration and, and uh, pure sailing joy that we've felt sailing her. And in true like sailing panda fashion, of course, like we had not really sailed a multi-hull before. Like Darren had a little experience with those, very, very small. Um, and we just jumped right in. <laughs> that is amazing. I love your adventure spirit and just, you know, diving in head first. I mean, I guess you are a diver, so that, that's good. You got that experience. <laughs> but... How was that? You know, you you went to see a trimaran, and I think it was on the hard when you saw it, and then you know, you just fell in love with that and with that, and decided that this is it. Yeah, you know, f- funny story with that is as a lot of boat stories start where you're cruising on yacht world, uh, looking <laughs> looking for boats for sale, and uh, we were in Italy at the time. We we had panda boat up for sale and getting her ready. And, um, and yeah, this, this boat popped up for sale in Southern France and it wasn't too far away. And, and we were really craving a road trip. Uh, we hadn't done much land exploring up to that point. So we said, let's, let's go rent a car, drive mm-hmm. to the South coast of France, just check out the boat, just see what it's like. And yeah. then drive back, you know, just kind of gain some experience and enjoy the, the trip, of course. But once we landed on the boat, we said, wow, this is not only a wonderful boat, it's in great condition, but it's absolutely perfect for this charter business that we want to do. So, uh, yeah, fate would have it. It all just worked out perfect for us to to, to get it. Yeah, there is not, I would say there wasn't, you know, we're, we're really looking for a performance multi-hole. Um, there weren't many on the market because, I mean, I think everyone was pretty aware, like, you know, the, it was definitely a seller's market. But there wasn't much because everyone just kept gobbling everything up that was good. And there wasn't much out there. So we just would keep an eye out. But this one was really in a great price range, good condition. Um, and we just th- saw it as a perfect opportunity. Yeah. And that's actually a good good point you brought up there was the performance category. Um, we were really keen to make sure that the boat we purchased for this, this uh, company was a performance-oriented boat. There's a lot of boats that are just cruising, and that's absolutely fine. But what we wanted was something a little bit extra. So, so this boat is built specifically lighter, you know, more sail area, and it is built for performance cruising, um, which is something we've just really enjoyed. Yeah, <laughs> our old um, like five and a half knot uh, average seems super slow now. <laughs> <laughs> anytime we hit five and six knots we're just like what we're going so slow and uh now we're like if we get in the double digits we're finally at ease we're like yeah this is right now yeah she's a, a totally different boat than what we're used to a big learning curve but uh but wow yeah exciting yeah i bet and i bet all the passages are super fast on that one and i do want to ask you about the your atlantic passage or Atlantic crossing with that boat. But before we get to that, I think you are right about the, uh, I was trying to think of these other companies who do sort of offshore charters or that sort of similar cruising experience. So I know 
companies that do that sort of offshore passages on a monohull, but on a catamaran or multi-hull, not really. I know some like day sails, maybe some Caribbean island hopping, but nothing more extensive than that. So you may have discovered a really cool niche in the in the market there. Yeah, that that's what we were hoping too. Um, really hoping that uh, uh, yeah that that you know people looking to buy those kind of boats will get some passage time under the keel of of Panda Rosso, which is the new name for this vessel. And, and yeah, get experience multi-hole sailing uh, out on big, normal ocean passages. Yeah, and it's not that, you know, you might be going out for a trimaran, but it still gives you that same feel of being on a multi-hole instead of just a catamaran, of course. Yeah, no, that's true. And it's a, it's a good point about trying it out before you buy one, because I actually talked to somebody who did buy a catamaran. It was a 38-foot catamaran. And uh, they said that they actually didn't like the motion of the boat when they were doing passages. So they ended up selling it and getting a monohull instead for the as the liveaboard, like a long-term boat. So that was a really interesting change that they went from um, multi-hull to a monohull because of that um, that kind of experience. So it's good to test things out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a wonderful example. We yeah. we did notice right off the right, you know, on our first passage, yeah, the motion is different. It's it's, it's much uh, quicker. It's a lighter boat than most, so the accelerations are a little bit more. But the on the benefit though, uh yeah, you don't have much healing. You can still just set a cup down and it doesn't go anywhere, which is totally <laughs> strange for us monohull yeah. sailors. <laughs> we do have non-skid everywhere though, of course. <laughs> but that's just because the jerky movements and uh the un unpredictable uh way that she moves sometimes that you're just you can't really anticipate as much as when you're in a monohull, you know, you're gonna be on this lean and you're just bashing through the waves or like side waves are coming. That's very um comfortable, I guess you could say. Whereas when you're not used to the multi-hole platform, it could be a little um yeah, disturbing maybe at first. Uh but we even had a couple well we've had a few monohull sailors come aboard already and um, one was not so happy like with the motion, but the other one was uh, definitely like the second day. They're like, yeah, we're used to it now. This is great. You bought the boat in the winter in the Mediterranean and therefore your first sail on it was in the winter in the Mediterranean. So how is all that? New boat is a trimaran. It's winter. <laughs> That's a great setup. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, at least the basis of all sailboats is they all generally sail the same, right? You have kind of the same sail controls yeah. and and nothing there is too different. So this boat is is easily handled from a sailing perspective. But uh, right on day one of our passage, we had rains and, and tough headwinds that we battled into. Then day two, we were swept downwind to the Balearics very, very quickly with a uh, with a, a a mistral, it's a it's a wind that blows out of the north northeast, in, or sorry, northwest, out the south coast of France and and Spain there, and we had uh, yeah you know winds coming from twenty knots, then twenty five, then thirty, <laughs> then thirty five, and then somewhere in the middle of the night we were just down to our small jib, running downwind with forty knots of wind, and and what was most impressive is the boat just loves to surf down waves. So, you know, we had at that point probably three, three and a half meter seas building behind us and and the seas would just just pick up the tail of the boat and then Pandarosa would just surf like effortlessly down the face of a wave and get up into the 15, 16. We 
even had a peak, I think, of around 18 knots, and then kind of settle down in the trough and then wait for the next one. And it was a it was a wild wild ride for us not having experienced that before. Yeah, and we hadn't been sailing for a few months as well, so. Uh, going from the just land, like sitting on your boat to now 40 knots of wind, uh, we were feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> we were lay, like taking our watches, you know, getting back into the groove of it, like laying down on the floor inside the cabin, like looking out for vessels every 10 minutes and like eating crackers because we were just so sick. That sounds wild. What an adventure. But I guess, yeah, so winter sailing in the Mediterranean is maybe more of an adventure sail. But yeah, yeah that sounds, uh, I don't even know, very sporty, let's put it that way. Yeah, it's it's a good way to uh, really get to know your vessel. Just yeah. just go out in 40 knots and day two. <laughs> you'll you'll know everything about her real quick. <laughs> yeah, we were, we would just look at the you know we were we were probably under canvas too at the time because we were so conservative. We'd look down at the sail suggested sail configurations for the amount of wind you're getting uh, provided by Neil, and we'd be like, oh, is this is this okay? And then when we felt uncomfortable, it wasn't when it was like scheduled at that point. It was just when we started feeling uncomfortable, like, I don't know, 15 knots, is this okay? Like, are we allowed to go this fast? Like, what's going to (laughs) happen? Yeah, that is interesting. It is so different and different speeds. So I guess it has been a bit of a learning curve for you, both in in terms of sailing. How about otherwise, in terms of like living on the boat? Has it been a bit of a learning curve to adjust to three hulls? Uh, no, I mean, you mainly live, you know, on top of the main hole, so the middle hole, and that has like a bridge to the Amas. There's no real like living space or our particular configuration doesn't have any living space in the Amas. So we just use that for um, extra storage for uh, gas cans and um, our sails. We have two spinnakers in one of the Amas, but it's I mean, it's like being in a nice apartment. <laughs> I can't uh, lie. It's really, really nice to be on this boat. Uh, so much space. I think it was. Yeah, the visibility. We that, That's a major change we found from uh, our last boat was the yeah, monohull where your only visibility, of course, was outside in the cockpit. Um, but this vessel, the 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 like navigation station is surrounded by at least 200 degree view all around. So it's absolutely amazing that you can, um, you can take watch inside, you know, if it starts to rain, you can come inside and you can see all vessels, all navigation equipment, everything from, from the comfort of this nav station. So that's, that's been a big change and, and a wonderful addition to have. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I just having seen some photos and videos of your boat, it just looks very cozy and like, yeah, I would love to do a passage on that. And and how was actually the, the Atlantic crossing for you? Obviously, your first one, you came via Greenland on a monohull and then on the way back to the Caribbean, you go on a trimaran. <laughs> so, um, and you're ship or your boat kind of looks like a spaceship so i assume it's pretty fast <laughs> going there yeah. as well so how was that overall i mean how long was your passage and where did you go from and to where yeah she is more like a, a spaceship than a than a boat sometimes uh definitely in looks she's not everyone's cup of tea but she's definitely fast and she's quirky looking but we love it yeah so we left uh we kind of 
yeah, we sailed from France to the Balearics, where we picked up a couple crewmates and sailed from the Balearics through the Straits of Gibraltar and then headed our way south along the coast of Morocco to um, the Canaries, where we anchored in um, Lanzarote and, uh, and exchanged crewmates and sailed from Lanzarote uh, to Martinique. And and that, yeah, that official Atlantic crossing passage took us, was it 14? 16. 16 days? Yeah. Okay, so 16, 16 days. days. Uh, so that we averaged about 185 miles a day, mm-hmm. I think was our average. Yeah. And then we spent a week in Martinique uh, after <laughs> we had a transmission failure, un- unfortunately. So we, um, we had to have a quick emergency haul out new sail drive installed and we did a bunch of other work on a very quick like three-day haul out um and then splashed her and then another seven-day sail to florida and that's kind of where we're at now yeah and the atlantic crossing uh was a lot easier than our previous atlantic crossing um the in the trade winds i mean it's almost boring (laughs) like you still have you know some squalls to deal with but even then, uh, it's just not as uh, yeah, not as exciting as the northern trip we went before. You just set the sails and you kind of forget. You're just like, oh yeah, that's, that's, the winds are the same today. Yeah, the winds are the same today. And oh, do we need to take the spinnaker down? Well, no, that seems pretty good. And uh, we did have one exciting part where we did. I think it was halfway through. We lost the ability to use our mainsail. Um, but luckily you're going downwind more, so it wasn't too bad. We did like wing on wing. Is that even a thing in multi-holes? I don't even know, but we did the head, twin head sails. You know, we put up a butterfly on that. Uh, that was, <laughs> was a weird setup. Um, and then, yeah, our spinnaker, uh, we put up we th- what we thought was our smaller spinnaker, <laughs> and it ended up being our biggest one, so we later found that out. Uh, it actually, in the middle of the night, got wrapped around our forest day, and that was a terrible experience <laughs> trying to get that down. Like It took us about an hour and a half, I think, to get it completely down in the middle of the night, because of course those things happen in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. It's the Murphy's Law. Like Nothing happens when everybody's ready to help. <laughs> right. Yeah, overall, though, we really enjoyed the, the crossing experience. Um, it's definitely the easier route in terms of like there's just less stuff to do the temperature's nice and the winds were so steady for us i know they're not always like that right um for for sailors but we definitely got a a great passage we we were really thankful yeah i bet i've seen some of the photos on instagram and it looked lovely it looked leisurely almost so that's awesome but yeah no wonder you've done so many passages now like longer uh, big or yeah, longer hops. Uh, that's super cool. So I am not surprised that you want to make a literal business out of it. But tell me a little bit about the business. We talked about it a little bit already, but who would you say it's for? Obviously, anybody who wants to learn more about, you know, sailing a multi hull. But where are you? You're in Florida right now. Where, where yeah. will you be? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're in Florida now. We we plan to operate at least for the first couple of years along the east coast of the U.S. Um, in the summertime, and then in the winter time, we'll go down to the Caribbean and kind of operate, uh, yeah, along the whole Caribbean island chain. Um, and your question of yeah, who it's for? I, I'd say it's for any adventurous person or sailor who is 
uh, either one, just craving a nice offshore passage opportunity or two, interested in, in you know, to learn what a multi-hole is like and specifically a performance multi-hole. It's a great opportunity to sail one before you, you invest. Yeah, multi-hole curious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, copyright on that tagline. <laughs> oh, you know what? That should be a t-shirt line for you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it sounds like it is going to be a different kind of an adventure for you guys. And, you know, before I would have said to go check you guys out on YouTube, but I know you're taking a little bit of a break. Uh, so where do you want to direct people to go learn more about, you know, when this spaceship is actually operating on the East Coast and how to get in touch with you guys? Well, we have uh, started a, or launched, I should say, <laughs> launched a website. Uh, they can sign up for a mailing list. We haven't completed the website yet, but that will have way more information um, for our passages and other and and other information. But it is outer-passage.com. And also we are on Facebook still and Instagram. We might be putting some stuff on YouTube, but that would just be like promotional um, stuff as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll be sure to link all those below as well. But that is so cool that you've taken this liveaboard lifestyle and you made it into your business. And damn if it's not a good one spending the summers on the East Coast and then going away for the warmth of the Caribbean for the winter. I think you guys have nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Now we're so excited for this. But we're excited to share firsthand with with people, you know, what this lifestyle is like on the water. And, you know, that's something we got to do through YouTube and social media. And now it's almost like taking that a step further and we get to be there right with those people and and hopefully, uh, you know, have them, you know, gain this really positive experience and and see what they do in their cruising life. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be really cool for you to be part of someone else's liveaboard life or the start of it. So that's really awesome. Yeah, thank you. Well, Darren and Amanda, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me for this one year review episode. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. much. And just want to say excellent job on, on this podcast. We've listened to every episode you've launched since and you just have a, a, a wonderful collection of stories here. So we, we're really thankful to be uh, here on your second season. Yeah, and we've had people that are listening reach out to us through your, from your podcast uh, from, from the last episode that we did with you. So yeah, we're really looking forward to uh, this new adventure. Thank you very much for interviewing us again. So there you have it, an update from the very first guests. Go check Darren and Amanda out online. You'll find them under the name Outer Passage, and I've linked all the places where you can find them below. Next week, it's time to talk about cruising the world's oceans, so tune in again next Wednesday. And as always, and especially today, thank you for listening. If you want to come say hi online, you can find me as Liverboard Sailing Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and I will see you there. Bye for now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.